I sat down with Harman Pro President Brian Devine talking about refreshing brands, the future of control, and how the company can reestablish themselves in the AV market on this Aviation Special. You've been in the job for a couple years. Right. Started in 2020. In and this role. Yeah. In this role. Yeah. Right. You've been with Harman for, for years. Yeah. Um, came out of, out of Crown. Correct. Um, talk for a second about the legacy of Harman, specifically in this industry, and why why Harman is still an important name and why Harman is still an important company. Yeah, I mean, look, I think when you look at Pro in particular, um, you know, it, it grew through acquisition, right? And a lot of kind of very long tenured, important brands, really dating back to the beginning of a lot of their respective categories, uh, came under one umbrella. So, you know, yes, there is Harman as the umbrella brand, um, but one of the things that, you know, I feel pretty strongly about is, you know, our, our customers, like Harman is, is important, but the JBLs, the AKGs, the PSS, the Crowns are, um, you know, arguably to some degree more important in terms of the way our customers interact with us. And so at LDI, it was a Martin booth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as it should have been, that that customer base and what they're looking for and how they work with us is with Martin. Um, do, you so think, I, do you think people think of Martin and just think of Martin or think of JBL and just think of JBL and they don't connect it with Harman as a whole? Uh, Maybe on the Martin side of any of them. Um, I think where you get into the core audio portfolio, I I think that, you know, established relationship with Harman has been there. And I think people are comfortable with understanding, you know, generally that Harman, yes, is the parent company. And then, you know, these brands are, you know, a very important piece of that. Um, And so, but yeah, I mean, the brands, they they do all have an identity that, you know, we don't want to shy away from that. We don't want to, you know, homogenize it all down to just Harman, so to speak. It, was, it, it kind of, you, you kind of answered the question, but I'm going to ask it again in a different way. How important is that individuality, right? How important is that legacy name? Um, you, you worked with, with an old buddy of mine, Bradford Ben. You both mm-hmm. worked for Crown, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and Bradford will tell the story that he started at Crown about a week before Harman bought, bought them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, Harmon kept Crown, mm-hmm. right? They kept AKG. They kept AMX. Um, very much kind of against the grain of what a lot of companies today will do, both in the AV industry and in technology in general, where, you know, Cisco, we can pick on all day, but, you know, they will, yeah. they will acquire a company and then it'll become Cisco, whatever. Harman as a company has decided to maintain those those brands. Why is that important? Well, I, I think it when you look across all of Harman, um, that's true. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a couple different pieces. So one is, you know, they went out and, and spent in, in most cases a, a premium to acquire a brand name that means something. Um, and especially you look at the JBLs, the Crowns, AKGs that are 60, 70 plus years in the industry. It's a lot of heritage that goes along with that, that, you know, I think it's as important to protect and maintain it as anything else. And yes, there are advantages of being part of a bigger group, but, you know, the brands mean different things to different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it's important to, to maintain that. Now, 
that's not to say that we don't take some liberties from time to time. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Um, you know, when you look at our cinema offering, everything through the amplifiers is branded JBL. Um, but it, it's also an instance where it's a very tightly integrated package. Whereas when you get into, let's say, the traditional crown install market, it, the variety of jobs that it goes into, including, you know, we, we don't get every loudspeaker that we sell an amplifier, right? So, you know, being able to be a bit more agnostic and not, say, picket certain things here and there, it, it's an important piece of what we do. And we don't want to alienate those people that really strongly resonate with one brand or another. Um, you know, I, I think the market largely decides what's important to them and, and what's not. Okay. So, uh, but on the automotive side, you know, having a house of brands over there, it also helps because, you know, what BMW buys versus Mercedes versus Audi, Toyota, et cetera, um, there can be some distinction there. And, you know, the brands are expressive to different degrees also. Like on the consumer side, JBL is a very, it's a much more expressive brand. Yeah. Um, than what you'd find in like on the automotive side, like a Bang and Olsen, they're just very different. Yeah. So or Mark Levinson or Revel. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, Harman has been and, and will continue to be it's a house of brands. Okay. So, um, when 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 Samsung acquired Harman, right? Um, there was really smart people and, and, and a couple dumb ones in the industry that wrote some very interesting pieces. Right? It was the end of Harman. Right? Mm -hmm. It was. They, they were going to sell out, sell off parts and pieces. It was, you know, you can say goodbye to, to a Harman booth at, at the trade shows. Um, you know, they did this, that, and the other, and they're just going to sell it off. Here we are five or six years later, and, uh, well, we're still here uh, in the Experience Center in, in, in Northridge. Mm -hmm. Talk for a second about some of that, that transition and, and the growth you guys have seen to not combat it, right, but, but to to prove some of those prognosticators wrong. Yeah, I think, you know, going back to that time, yeah, I think it was easy to speculate, what are they going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, history, I think, has, has proven that not only did they not do that, and I think this coming ISE will be a great example, the Harman booth is literally across the aisle from the Samsung booth, but independent, right? Independent. Um, you know, and I would say that it's, it's probably much more the opposite of what some predicted uh, in, in a sense that, you know, when something like COVID comes along and a lot of our pro markets just get hammered and closed and, you know, the business drops, um, having, you know, a parent company like Samsung that is, you know, they, they deeply believe in R&D and spending on engineering and technology and having a company come in and say, okay, we, we understand you're going to take massive top line losses, which will translate to massive bottom line losses. However, do not cut R&D. Keep spending. Don't stop. Um, you know, like I said, it's quite the opposite, I think, of what people expected, where they came in and, and, you know, reassured us that, look, this is, we believe in it, it's important, keep going. Um, and that was a, a flexibility and a latitude that I think most in the industry didn't have. So now we're, we're down near three or four years post-COVID, depending on who you want to. Mm -hmm. let's, let's put it this way, we're four years after the start of COVID, how about mm -hmm. that? Fair enough, yep. What did that R&D get you guys? So I think Martin's a very clear example. Um, you've seen Pixel Wash, Ultra, Mac 1 just launched, um, Aero 700 IP, 
there's other stuff not too far around the corner. Um, but those are big, expensive developments. Um, you know, the team in Denmark has been very busy. Um, the JBL Pro retail catalog, all of that has pretty much been overhauled in that time frame also. Um, what we'll see coming up at ISE is where you're going to see the majority, sorry, and I don't want to leave out, um, you know, AMX with Muse and Varia, like a fundamental shift in programming paradigm is not necessarily an easy or cheap thing to do. Um, so that happened all through that time period. Uh, and then at ISE, you'll see the beginnings of the bigger picture start to come out really particularly on the install side yeah. of how are we taking all of these different things, Crown, BSS, uh, JBL, AMX, how are we actually evolving this into a cohesive system in a way that we've never done before, in a way where it's you know much easier to integrate and use them versus maybe what we've been able to do in the past. So that, that software development that's been happening in the background, the H control has been happening in the background, um, you know, a, a lot of different things, 3D modeling and prediction. I mean, that's publicly launching. It's out in beta now, so I'll just say venue synthesis is just around the corner. Yeah. All of those are very expensive programs that have been happening. Uh, none of them are fast. Uh, certainly not as fast as I would like to see, but, um, you know, it, it takes time to pull it all together. So I think we've, you've only really seen the tip of what we've been working on through that time. Talk for a second to to not just the integrators but also the the customers that are on the front lines, right? Um, a AMX specifically had a huge market in, in higher education, right? Mm -hmm. um, and higher education, one way or the other, got got pretty hammered during during COVID um, from manufacturers not being able to get supply chain to and we'll get to supply chain in mm -hmm. a few minutes. But talk to them about you know what if if you know they're even considering a Harman brand, I'll just blanket it, right? Mm -hmm. A Harman brand, or, or the integrators who may have gotten, you know, burned through through COVID. Why should they look at Harman again? Why should they, you know, say, yes, let, let, let's do a PO, let's purchase this, let's do this project with Harman? So I think there's a couple different threads there. Um, so one is the product threat. Mm -hmm. I think and Muse is a, is a good example, and it's, it kind of tips our hand a little bit in terms of where we see taking us from a hardware side and, and from a software side. And, you know, like I say, it's kind of meeting the market where it is in a more contemporary way. It's easier to use. It doesn't have this big proprietary programming language with this massive learning curve attached to it. And saying, okay, look, we, we need to be more flexible and adaptive and, yeah. in a way that it's easier for our customers to get in and use. and. Um, Again, lowering the training burden for the integrators is a big piece of that. Uh, but going beyond that, um, making our products work easier together is a big piece of it. And again, you'll you'll see, I see, I think we'll reveal, well, we are revealing quite a bit more. Um, so that's everything from stripping down the number of software programs that it takes to set up and program our system. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a massive, it's like, I think 25 today, in theory, you can yeah. use to do it down to three. Good night. Um, so that, that's a lot of work to do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but design with a philosophy of if you use other Harman products, it can start doing some things for you. It can start making some programming assumptions for you to help. Yeah. Uh, routing Dante is a, is a clear example of that. Um, but that's, 
we're also moving away from a completely closed system and saying, okay, we, we do need to be able to work with third parties. And so third party integration is a big tenant and it's a big piece of what we uh, intend to do so that, you know, as I mentioned to you a few minutes ago, of course we would like to win every part of every system, but that's not reality either. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, these are tools. They're all designed to do a certain thing and we don't always have the best tool for a specific thing. So we need to make it easier for integrators to say, look, I can stay mostly Harman, but I need these other things and I need them to be able to work in a way that is useful for them and easy to program and implement, but more importantly for their customer, the end user, that it works as a system. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty big paradigm shift that we've been, I mean, it's literally been, I, I hate to think about how many years and how many millions we've spent rewriting code and software and it's been a lot, but it, it's fundamentally to start answering questions in a different way than what we have in the past. Do you think that you, because the, the moving away from a closed system it is something that the industry has talked about for more than 20 years, mm -hmm. right? And, and you, you've been around, you know, for, for a minute as well as I have. And I remember these conversations of, of, the, close, of the, the walled garden, right? Mm -hmm. And the walled garden idea was, was you know, well, if you, if you use it all within the garden, it all works, right? But... If you go outside of it, well, then bad things might happen. Mm -hmm. And you think that, the, that you guys are leading away here to where other manufacturers will follow suit? Or are you guys, you know, kind of on your own here for a minute? I, I wouldn't say we're on our own. I mean, I think we've seen elements of this from other manufacturers out there already. Um, you know, I think that the way we do it, um, my belief is it will be a bit easier to, to live with. Um, but I, I think it's in general, it's just the way the world is, is moving. Um, yep. And I, I don't think it's in our interest or anyone else's to say, you either do it all my way or not at all. I, that, that's just, that it doesn't work well. I, I really, I don't think in any industry at this point. Yep. Um, I want to go back a little bit to, yep. um, you know, I, I talked predominantly from a software hardware side before, but we're also looking at from a, customer support standpoint, um, being easier to work with across the board. So whether that's, you know, a tech support phone call, post-sale support, whatever it may be, how do we make that easier? Because uh, that's as important as the hardware is really day to day when, you know, people are trying to complete a job. If we're not responsive enough, um, that hurts too. So we're, we're looking kind of across the board. It's not just hardware, software, but even that side of it we're, we're looking at also. So talk about that for a second, because there there have been instances in the past where manufacturers, I'm not going to pick on anybody specifically, but they they've asked for um, subscriptions, or, or you know you have to be a certain level or a certain tier to, to get customer support, whether you're an end user or an integrator, right? Um, is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Are you talking about like you know advanced replacement and stuff like that? Yeah, for us, it's more the processes that govern okay. things like advanced replacements. Okay. Um, you know. I get a statistic every month of, for our tech support teams, how fast does a phone call get answered? Okay. It's eight seconds. Month in, month out, eight seconds. That's pretty good. So now it's like, okay, we, we have people that are there, they'll, they'll answer the phone, um, but now creating the right framework and the right processes that enable them to be a bit more empowered to help somebody in need faster. I mean, obviously, like anybody, we can't afford to just constantly give stuff away and do advanced replacements, but. I think there's a middle ground in there where we can be more responsive and, and a better partner with the integration channel or with our customers in general. 
than what we are today. So it's an area that we are, you know, we take equally as seriously as just the product side because yeah. it's, I would argue it's at least half of a decision of, hey, this may be the best widget out there in the market, but if I can't trust the company to help me when I need them, most likely people aren't going to buy it. 100%. So uh, we, we take both sides very seriously. You mentioned Muse, and I want to get to that. Um, it, I would I would argue, and you can correct me here. It, it's part of the, the the refresh of AMX, right? Mm -hmm. it, it is. It, it, it's 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 a leap, dude, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I am I am a, a, a an infamous failed programmer, right? Okay. I just I think control is the coolest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. I just can't do it. <laughs> so. Um, and when it came out, right, talking to, to, to some programming friends of mine, um, Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts, right, mm -hmm. uh, independent programmer out of, out of the East Coast. And I'm going to paraphrase, but he, he's like, this is, this is a game changer, it really is mm -hmm. a game changer for the industry, not just for AMX, right? And, and I remember, you know, 20 years ago, to be, a, to be a, an AMX programmer, that was a certain level of geekness, right? You, you knew computer science yeah because right? you had to yeah talk for a second about about the move to muse and, and, and the thought process behind it so i think there's there's a couple of things one like the the netlinks language for that community mm -hmm. that you know needs i would say that degree of customization because you, you can program it to do anything almost anything right um muse isn't isn't that no right it, it's for the 90 percent of things where you know really it, it comes down to I guess when you're being blunt, like allowing an integrator to get in and get out of a job faster. And I can make this thing do what I need it to do quickly. Yep. Um, so the, the Netlinks language, it lives on and, you know, the controllers were continuing to build and support those for that, that group that wants and needs them. Um, but it's really more about, okay, going forward, it's just the, what, what we view, it, it's just the way the world works now. You know, and, and having flexibility and having easier to use programming language, having a box that you can have one programmer in Ruby, one programmer in Python, and having a box that says, that's fine. I, I can run both. Yeah. You know, it's no problem. Um, so just giving that extra level of flexibility that wasn't there. Um, you know, and I think that for AMX, you know, it was time to make a, a bigger, bolder step than it also helps with the industry at large, and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to put too much on your shoulders, but hear me out for a second. One of the things that the industry has talked about, again, for years, is the, the need to get young people in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to go into a college and say, you know Python, great, awesome, Ruby, we got a job for you over here, mm -hmm. or you, need what, you, know, you know whatever programming language, we have a job for you. I think that is also a huge thing. Mm -hmm. right? and, and you guys aren't the only ones using what I would call mainstream programming, mm -hmm. but, but the ability to, to have, like you said, those different languages and they all come back to the same box, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. But even in things like a BSS product that mm -hmm. we'll be launching, that control is in there. And so now you're starting to get the bigger vision of, okay, how are these brands really going to start playing well? And from a system perspective, you'll get a much bigger view of, okay, I, I, I get it. I get where they're going. I mean, is it a, a full-blown controller? No. Is a DSP box asked to be a full? Also no. Um, so it, it's an appropriate amount, but it's, it's, again, it's the same thing. So if you know how to use Muse, you'll know how to use that also. 
Let's talk about some acquisitions. Uh, you guys announced the, the acquisition of Flux. Mm -hmm. If somebody's not familiar with Flux, let's start there. Yeah, so uh, this was actually probably one of the more organic things um, that I've seen in terms of acquisition in that we had been approached on a few bigger installs for an immersive solution. Okay. Um, not a secret that we didn't have an in you know a homegrown in-house solution for that. So we had to go find a partner. Uh, and in doing that search, uh, we came across Flux. And you know, the, really, the more we looked at them in, in terms of what their capabilities were, in immersive environments, and how easy the software was to use, uh, just enormously impressed. And so we we approached them and said, "Hey, would you consider?" Uh, you know, here we sit having just officially closed it. Um, you know, they're a part of the Harmon family, and they. Um, I, I can't say enough good things in terms of what that team has been able to do. Um, very smart guys, very driven in terms of, I should say very smart team. Um, just very driven with a purpose, love what they do, um, are incredible software programmers. So I, I think really the, the immersive piece is probably the tip of what they're capable of. And so it, 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 I think it, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, in our room, if you go in there and look around, you'll notice there's A6s all around the room, still set up from when we did the live demo of the software. It's really impressive, extremely capable. Um, and I, like I said, I think we're just at the, at the tip of what we can do with that. That, that brings me back to one of the questions we, we talked about earlier. It, it will Flux still be remain Flux or will it kind of be consumed by other ones? Uh, no, so I, I think the realistically the way this is going to play out like the the stuff that's out there now under the flux flux almost becomes a product name if okay. you will um we are not kind of unraveling and integrating them into the broader team they will stay a cohesive unit um so you know one of the things that we want to be careful of is not to break the thing that we acquired you know the thing that made them special we want to keep that intact and yeah. now uh working with guy and team um i think we're all excited you know there there's an endless amount of of ideas and you know the collaboration between the teams has already been amazing right. so if you get a chance guy will be at ISE okay. um, you should meet him he's a great guy right. uh, one of the things in the industry right now is is the the ask for from customers is a sustainability mm -hmm. right you can call it ESG you can call it green you can call it whatever you want but it is the idea that when you talk to a university that has an ESG initiative. You talk to a Fortune 100 mm -hmm. globally that has an ESG initiative. They want to know how the product they're putting in is made, mm -hmm. right? What is the environmental impact of that? What is Harmon doing as far as his sustainability? So it's um, it's a very big topic, mm -hmm. and so. Probably the most obvious straightforward is packaging. Yeah. You know, all of our new products, we have certain standards in terms of uh, sustainability in the packaging themselves. Um, bigger picture, um, you know, Harman as a company, I think 2040 is carbon neutral is the date. Um, not to say that everything has to take that long. And a good example, our new factory for Martin in Hungary uh, is our first quote unquote green factory. So heating and cooling is geothermal and electricity is from solar. Wow. Um, just moved in, just got that plant moving. Uh, and in fact, I don't think they've even installed the solar panels yet, but you know, it's coming soon. Our 
distribution partner in Europe also is moving to a completely carbon neutral warehousing facility. So um, that's a big help. And, and some of it is, is choosing partners that also do that. Um, so it really touches on a lot of different things. And then I think there's the obvious things where, you know, from our own product designs, obviously LED lighting is, is where everybody's going, uh, us included. Um, we've got some things on the power electronic side that will improve efficiency as well. Um, some new technologies that we're, we're looking at. So um, it, it really is across the board. It's almost in every facet of how we do things, how we move products around the world. You know, how do we consolidate and minimize shipments between warehouses? Um, it, it's all of the above. So the one thing about sustainability that I've always been fascinated and I want to get your perspective from a manufacturer is the, the things that AV does inherently uses a lot of energy, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we, we can talk about amplifiers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, amplifier is just one giant electronic, you know, mm-hmm. consumer. Um, how do you guys, how do you maintain the quality and, and the performance while at the same time, tr- you know, aiming for uh, a carbon neutral product? So it's a, that's, probably the tough example because you know especially you look at a lot of the amplifiers they go into life safety applications mm-hmm. where they they have to be on 24 uh, 7 and so then it quickly becomes how do you minimize power draw while it's sitting there um, and i can't really go into too much detail other than to say that you know that that is a huge consideration of you know things that we design going forward of how you know i want to say you know, without getting into too many specifics, the sitting idle will draw about a fifth the power that they do today while maintaining the same level of functionality. Um, but it's a, it, it, it takes a different way of designing different technologies to be able to do that. Um, you know, because obviously the, the life safety requirement is what it is and it's not going away. So then it's a matter of how do you optimize within that constraint of you know, meeting the life safety requirement while at the same time minimizing to the extent that you can. Uh, it'll never be zero. Yeah. Um, so um, we, we talked about Martin Lighting, you, you and, and, and I and, and Mr. Wapke were at LDI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin has just gone through a, a pretty significant refresh. Mm-hmm. Talk about the entire line though, because you guys are in the middle of a refresh for all the different brands. What does that look like? We talked about AMX already with Muse and, and also in Vocon this year, you guys unveiled what I would say is, is a pretty significant step forward in your touch panels, right? Mm-hmm. AMX is traditionally yeah. been known for really good touch panels. Um, but talk about the, the refresh of all the different brands. So when I came in, um, you know, I, I think at the time, probably the most consistent question I got was where are you taking the business? You know, because it, it it felt, a, I don't know that people had a good sense of, you know, there were at, at points like prosumer talk of, you know, that was a, a common question I got from distribution. Like, are you becoming a prosumer brand? And, you know, my entire really working career has been in the pro industry. Mm-hmm. And so step one was, okay, we're, we're going to pull back in and focus on the core of the business and update the core of the business. So with Martin, I've, what most of our customers would consider core is the Mac range. 
So you've seen a lot of activity in that range. It's not exclusive to that, but you know, when you look at the team in Aarhus and what they're working on, they're working on Mac products, still are. And we're, we're, we're not done by any stretch. Um, JBL is easily the broadest category of products. Um, so when you look at it, like retail and Saltour, the broad strokes markets that we serve, retail, we've really gone through that whole portfolio. Um, you know, it, it runs on a shorter cycle than most of the rest of the business. Uh, the tour rental side, a lot of activity in BTX. Um, again, we're not done there either. So whether it be, you know, A6, A12, all the subs that come along with it. Um, there's a big software component that we'll be showing at ISE also. So that side and, you know, what we're on the, the verge of starting to see is, is what we're doing in that core install portfolio. I mean, we, we've been active with control contractor through this, um, but I think what most of our customers are really looking for is what are you doing on the electronic side? Kind of that core BSS crown yeah. uh, powered JBL piece. And so you'll, you'll start seeing the core of that start rolling out. Um, inherent with that though, that's also the core of, you know, when you looked at HiQNet, our old language, yep. switching that to H control is a big fundamental shift. Um, so that's rolling out now. Um, AMX, you've seen uh, their software that comes along with all of those and kind of bringing all those together in a, a new, more modern way that's more workflow based than what we used to do. It used to be a very product centric, mm -hmm. whereas now it's going to much more a workflow centric of, okay, in any given application, these are the steps you need to work through. Um, so we're on the verge of that starting to, to roll out. When you look at retail, yes, we have software applications, but it's, it's a much smaller subset. Even our, our tour rental business, uh, highly complex, but also limited in terms of scope, in terms of what you're really trying to do with it, whereas install can be anything and everything. Yeah. Um, so it just takes more time, but uh, we have been very active you know, for quite a number of years, trying to get to the point where we'll be in January, where people can really get a sense of what we've really been up to. So I'm going to ask a point blank question and, and Globke can kick me later. Hmm. But are you saying that there's like going to be one piece of software for everything Harmon? More or less. Okay. Well, I mean, it's more than a singular piece. Okay. Um, but it condenses down to much fewer than what we have to do. Because you already mentioned the fact that, you know, there used to be 23, you know, and now it's down to three. Mm -hmm. Are we going to get to one or is it just going to be the no, three? Uh, no, the call it five. Okay. Um, but when you look at the the install integration space, it, it's really three that we'll focus on. And those three are, are designed to be pieces of the same thing. So okay. instead of kind of one big monolithic, very complex thing, it's pieces of the workflow Okay, is, is really how it breaks down. And they're designed to share information back and forth. So you're not okay. starting at scratch each time. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. As we wrap up here, you know, you guys were not immune to supply chain issues at all. Um, depending on who you talk to, some will say that you got hit pretty hard. Some will say, oh, they were fine. I'll right. tell you, I feel like we got hit pretty hard. Okay. Why, <laughs> so, why do you think that? Um, look, we, and I don't think we're alone in this. Um, oh, I, no. I think we all felt a lot more pain than what we were anticipating. And that extends all the way through, you know, I, integrators trying to complete jobs. I mean, it, it was a nightmare, right? Because you couldn't count on anything from anywhere. And so it was a matter of what can I get to pull this job off? Um, you know, our part in that, 
Yeah, I'll tell you, we ran historically high back orders um, as we were trying to get components. We did everything we could. We, we leveraged Samsung, we leveraged Harman. We went out on the spot buy market to buy whatever we could. And, you know, there, there's a lot of people that made a lot of money through this and and it wasn't anyone in our business, whether it be yeah. a manufacturer or an integrator. Um, but there was a lot of price gouging going on, but uh, we made the decision that, okay, we're, we're gonna do that just to keep as much flowing as we can. Um, you know, knowing that we're, we're a piece of the industry, you know, and appreciating that our integrators, if they don't have anything, they can't, they can't work either. And so trying to keep as much moving as we could, um, you know, and I think everybody felt the symptoms of that where there were pricing, we all had to do price increases and we we're trying to just cope and keep this thing moving. Um, you know, I'd say where we are now, we're, we're pretty close to back to pre-pandemic. Okay. We're not quite there. We still have, you know, ridiculously long lead time requirements on components and things, but they're a bit more reliable now. You know, when we get a date, we can trust it a little bit more now than certainly even eight months ago. Okay. Um, so we're not there yet, but it's, it's not as dire as it was either. So look ahead. And, and, and the one thing that I have come to the, uh, at least my own personal um, philosophy is I don't ask people five-year questions anymore after pandemic. I mean, there was a point in time where I'd tell you five months from now, I can't tell you. Okay. So, well, I'm going to stretch you then okay. and ask for just all of 24. Mm -hmm. Where do you see, where do you see Harmon? Where do you see the industry? Where do you see, I mean, are, are you know, it, it, you and I can both get online and we can, we can read a dozen different publications and each one's going to tell us something different. Mm -hmm. um, where does Brian Devine see it? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, from a, a purely internal side, I'm excited because, you know, my background, I, I, I come from the product side. I'm naturally biased towards kind of the technology side of it. And, um, and I'm excited to finally start talking about what we've been up to. Um, and, you know, especially on the install side, I mean, it's the amount of years that have gone into this. Um, you know, I'll say, quite frankly, it was harder and has taken longer than we've expected yeah. um, but it's nice to be able to finally be able to start showing it to people and um, you know I, I I feel pretty good that it's gonna be a positive reaction but you never know um, from a overall market standpoint you know we'll see you know there there are certainly some dark clouds on the horizon I think you know when you look at the economy as a whole it, it feels like there are areas that are softening um, I wouldn't say we've really felt anything yet but there i'd say there's reason to be cautious um but we'll see um so very cool brian thank you so much sir thank you the network for the av industry what are you listening to this this is av this 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 is, is AV, av nation, nation. this is av nation